This is your Premier League and Champions League show. We talk about football, the most beautiful game. My name is Gustavo Moradel. And I'm Jake Landry. And you're listening to Dos Hermanos. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Dos Hermanos podcast. It's been a while. How are you, Jake? Good, good. Come, we're coming back off our international break, so uh, <laughs> so to speak. So I'm excited. There's been a lot that's gone on, and I feel like uh, to, to foreshadow, I, I had some thoughts early on in the season, and I feel like I needed a larger sample size to uh, really talk about them, and now I feel like that we've seen more. There's some things that st- the, the stats back up some things that I've been seeing with your squad, my squad, some other squads around the league. So I'm excited to talk about it. It's been a really exciting last few weekends. I've been watching a lot of football. Barcelona got knocked out of the Champions League, as you all know, which was pretty disappointing. And it basically brought us back to to earth. Because <laughs> once we got Lewandowski, we thought we were going to conquer it all. And so... But it's been a really interesting last few weekends. A lot of really cool stuff happening in the Premier League, in La Liga, um, and also just uh, in football in general. I heard the commentator today in the Premier League saying that there's only two more games in the Premier League before the World Cup, which is really, really exciting. I can't I can't believe it um, that we're so close to the World Cup and also Arsenal still killing it. Um, we can start with the Premier League. I want to say... To the Arsenal fans, you guys are killing it. Your team is looking vibrant, young, uh, fast-paced. I mean, it reminds me of a Pep Guardiola Barcelona, to be honest with you. The tiki-taka, if you see the way they play football, it's so fast and efficient and beautiful in many ways. Um, the sad news for today is that I saw Saka leave early, and I don't know if he is in injured. I don't know what kind of injury or how long it's going to take for him to recover. And that's sad news for the England team um, because the World Cup is three, four weeks away, I think. And uh, but Arsenal, man, is looking really good. I, I didn't think they were con- they were gonna continue to look so strong. They beat. Um, I just blanked for a second. Who they played today? City. Uh, well, today they, they beat Nottingham Forest, which you know, Nottingham Forest, say much, which but. well, it says much if you're a Liverpool fan because Nottingham Forest. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> beat Liverpool last week. I mean, if you're so. a, if you're a, it's starting to look for Liverpool. If you're a squad of people who can kick the ball around playing on a Sunday afternoon, <laughs> you might be, you know, formidable against Liverpool. But I will just say, you know, with Arsenal, that was one of the things at the beginning of the season that we had talked about was, you know, you had, I think, been very excited about Holland, rightly so, and, you know, picking City. But this was really what I had said is that if, Arsenal can continue to win games and win these Forest games and win, you know, the Wolves and Southampton and West Ham. Not that those have happened yet necessarily or whatever, but if they can just continue to pick up points and, you know, do that thing, because that's what City does and that's how they run away with it the last couple seasons is they just win consistently games that they should win. Not necessarily high-profile big games, but, you know, mostly those two, but... The little ones in between, and that's what Arsenal's doing. So hats off to them; they're really keeping focused. And uh, someone actually told me that 
the uh, the Amazon show that you know shows the back you know the behind the scenes they did the Spurs a couple of years ago City even a couple of years before that that they just did one on Arsenal and it's worth watching I guess that, that my my friend was telling me because you really get to see Arteta and I think you know we've said on this show that he has established a winning culture and it is continuing to be effective and obviously is working. So I'd be interested to check out that documentary and see a little bit of what it looked like behind the scenes. Yeah. And let this be a testimony for other Premier League teams that to build a strong young team takes some time. I really hope we get, we get back to the times where coaches were given more opportunity. I think we're seeing it with Liverpool right now. Uh, Georgian Club is just not having a good season. Does that make him a bad coach? You know, it raises the question. Of course, it doesn't make him a bad coach. It's just the normalcy of football. Sometimes you're amazing. Other times you're not. And I really hope that we get back to um, a time in football where we give coaches a longer period of time, in my opinion. But then, you know, if my team is losing really bad, I'm one of the first ones to <laughs> to want to fire the coach. <laughs> Let, well, but let's talk about Liverpool. It's a good it's a good segue because, you know, at the beginning of the season, obviously, and still now, they're they're struggling and, you know, they just drew this weekend to Brighton, right? Yeah, to No. Yes. To, to Brighton? Um no. No, they oh they lost they Leeds lost. to Leeds. They oh lost my god, yesterday. sorry. They, they drew, drew to they Leeds. Lost. Yeah. Oh, they, no, they lost. lost. Oh my God, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yep, I forgot about that last minute. But this is the thing about Liverpool is that, or, you know, the Premier League is that we're we're 12 games in at this point, 12 or 13, depending on, you know, it's, you know, postponements and things like that. And that's really when the table, I think, starts to take shape. And, you know, you kind of are solidly where you are. And they're sitting in ninth place with 16 points. And I have to say, I think this is the biggest story in the Premier League. I mean, it's I mean, if you were to say the biggest surprise, you know, that's obvious. But I, I think this is a huge story because, you know, you texted me the other day and, you know, as a fan, what you said, you know, makes sense, which is like, hey, listen, let's just let's focus on the Champions League and the other trophies and try to, you know, salvage, you know, something of the season. But I think like from their point of view, you know, running a team and the finances and all the you know, benefits that come with a good place, you know, obviously a higher place in the league gives you a little bit of a bigger payout at the end. And you, so what you said to me was, you know, they should focus on that. But here's the the sad reality is that let's say they did do that. You know, they won the FA Cup, they won the Carabao Cup, and they make it to the semifinals in the Champions League and get knocked out. Like, I'm not giving them the Champions League. I'm, I'm not going to give them that win. Like, maybe they pull that off. No, but for this scenario, I'm not just going to give them that. But I'll give them two other trophies and semifinals of, you know, Champions League. I think Fans would have to, at this point, accept that. But here's the problem, is if they go into next season and they don't make, I mean, really the top four, but even the top six, well, they're not going to be able to play in Europe at all or the Champions League. And so even if they go and do pretty well in all these different tournaments, again, I'm not giving them the Champions League. Obviously, if they win the Champions League, they automatically be in it the next year. But I don't see that as something that I don't see this team being able to pull off that. That is the greatest accomplishment in soccer right now, I would say, to be able to win the Champions League. So anyway, so I I just think 
for Liverpool right now, I actually think they're they need to get it together in the league. I almost say forget about the cups. I almost say the opposite of what you said to me. Forget about all that stuff and get it right. String some wins together. They should be they have Tottenham and then I forget who they have. I'll look it up in a second who they have before the World Cup. But they need to get two results, at least points, but really wins. Go into the World Cup get away from each other, and then get back to it and turn their season around in the league. I think it's more important than the domestic cups. I think for Liverpool, the World Cup is going to do them well, hopefully because they desperately need a break. It seems like the players have their mind somewhere else. And honestly, I wonder if players who play in top European teams are thinking about the World Cup and not giving it their best. I mean, I would... It sounds crazy, but I mean, you you think of Mo Salah. He doesn't have to play the World Cup, so he can give it his absolute best. But then you're thinking of Van Dijk. He wants to play with the Netherlands. You know, you're thinking of everyone who plays for England, who is also at Liverpool, like but, Alexander, I don't know. But this is um, the thing. Are we worried about their conditioning? Like, that? that's the thing is it doesn't... I don't think this is a conditioning issue. And let me just really quickly say, they have Tottenham and Southampton before the World Cup. I mean, you have to at least get four points. And I'm a Tottenham fan, so I hope not. But really, it should be six from a Liverpool perspective. Right, right. I mean, we should have beaten Nottingham Forest last week. <laughs> and we should have beaten Leeds. I mm. mean, isn't Leeds mm. sitting in the last place of the table? I mean, no, never mind. Not anymore. Well, the funny thing But is they're part of a different conversation for later, which is Which team are you worrying about being relegated? And they're one to talk about. So exactly. The fact that right. Liverpool is even, uh, even you know, the fact that they're even struggling against a team like that, let alone losing. I mean, if they were drawing, I think we'd still be making a big deal of it. And they lost. That was And that last goal was gross. It, it was. And to, I have to say, the last, well, the first place in the relegation zone is Leicester City with 11 points. And get this, Liverpool has 16 points. That's really right. not a big difference. It's not. So that either speaks of how wonderful the Premier League has been this season uh, because the, the team that has the least points, not on Forest, is nine points. And if you think about it, nine to 16 points is not really that big of a difference. It's uh, especially, well, 11 points for Leicester City sitting in the third place of the relegation zone um, in the 18th, 18th, 18th place. Um And so I have to say, Liverpool, I would even be worried about, you know, getting close to that relegation zone. The only good thing and good news, I guess, is that most teams under Liverpool um, are not that great right now. Like Everton, West Ham, uh, Leeds United. I mean, they beat us, but still, they're, they're, you know, they're maybe hoping to fire their coach. Who knows what's going on? Austin Villa is struggling. They just fire um, their, their coach as Steven well. Steven Gerrard, so, yeah. 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 And so, to, what do you, as a, as a tangent, what do you think about that hiring? Unai Emery, you're, you're a fan? Yes, I am a fan because Unai Emery has won European titles. Uh, well, not champions, but yeah. he's also, I think he's a good coach. And everyone in England um, knows how he is, meaning, well, the press and fans making fun of a good evening, uh, the way he says good evening. Uh, which I don't think he knew that joke, but everyone did, in yeah. England makes fun of him for the way he says good evening. So at least it's going to be fun for press conferences. But um, I think it's good for Aston Villa. I think it's good for Nye Emery to be back in the Premier League. He, um, as a coach, he doesn't excite me that much, but I think he's better than 
anyone else that Austin Villa could have gotten. That's that's how I put it. Yeah. Um, yeah, because Austin Villa, 16th place, uh, for them to have a coach uh, this level, I think is, is, is really good. Um, and I'm sure that Brentford or, you know, Leeds United would love to have a coach like that. Um, I'm just wondering, I know this is super random, but I'm just wondering what happened to uh, the former Leeds United coach, um, Marcelo Bielsa. Yeah. Bielsa, yeah, Marcelo Bielsa, because I, I, I wish that he would come back and coach a small... Um, Liverpool? <laughs> to coach a, a championship uh, Liverpool English. trying to come back no, next year? No, I think, <laughs> no, for them for them to hire him at Brighton or uh, not Brighton, Crystal Palace or who knows. Um, let's, yeah, but to, to wrap it up with Liverpool, it's just been a really hard season. I hope that this season... Um, is the only time that, that we we struggle like this in the next years to come because uh, if we're going down the hill like this, it's going to be really painful. I hope we get back to being a great team. Um, and I'm, I'm sure we will. It's just a matter of um, changing mentality. And the reason why I mentioned the World Cup, Jake, was because maybe players have a lot in their mind right now. And But maybe that doesn't even matter. Maybe I'm just bringing excuses as to why Liverpool's not doing that great right now. <laughs> Because, I mean, look at Newcastle. They're fourth place right now. It's unbelievable. And um, I'm really, really excited about uh, seeing Newcastle, like, in, in the fourth place, which is kind of weird. Well, that's kind of <laughs> the thing is if you go down the table, I think Arsenal, Man City obviously deserve to be 1-2. I think that's fitting there. I think Tottenham yeah. is clinging to that third place. <laughs> like, that, they are yeah. absolutely holding on for dear life after a strong start. And I have to say, I think Newcastle at fourth, I, they feel deserving. Like, they're a team now that is on the map. Since last year, the new ownership, they've invested. Like, they feel like they belong there. Manchester United obviously was going to come back. Like, you know, they're sitting in fifth, and I'm not, again, that feels right. Chelsea, you know, right there in sixth with 21 points. Like, they're they're right outside. And then, you know, Fulham and Brighton have kind of fallen off, kind of like what we expected. But, again, they're still riding their strong start. And, yeah, the, I have to say that given <laughs> the way that the season has gone and just the feel of it, Liverpool sitting at nine feels kind of fortunate. I mean, you make a great point that the margin between yeah. – honestly, the margin between seventh with, at 19 points – and 20th at nine points is 10 points. I mean, right. and actually bring Brighton in there. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, this is the seventh. So from 20th to seventh is 10 points. I mean, that's right. that that's three wins and a draw like that. Those are that those are narrow. It's, it's great because I think I think was it last year that Norwich was at the bottom of the league by 80 freaking points. They got relegated like, <laughs> you know, on Christmas right. Day or something stupid like that. Yeah. So, yeah. So the, this yeah. season is a lot closer. Sorry. This season no, is it a lot is. tighter than last the last season. And uh, it's a, also a really, I don't want to say weird, but it's just an interesting season because to see Chelsea lose for the first time, I think, in the history of the of the league for them to lose to Brighton and for Grattan Porter to lose to his former team and to see uh, Cuscurella get booed by the, oh, the, the Brighton fans. Loved it was it. just so good. Can't I stand that it. guy. Every, I love every second of it. <laughs> when they played Tottenham and Chelsea and Christian Romero pulled them by the hair down on the corner, I was like, oh, <laughs> he should he should be kicked out of the game, but I love it. Do it again, please. Oh, it was amazing. Romero was my favorite Talk to me about player. Tottenham. Ugh. Do we have to? Well, I just I did, <laughs> I did just want to say one more thing about exactly what you were saying with the table. But I have to say that I think 
Manchester United, Chelsea, and Liverpool start to the season is part of the reason why the table is so um, more diverse and like equitable, why the points are spread around. Like, I think if you did a little bit of analysis, I'm not sure, but this, you know, stat nerds out there can try it. Like, you know, Nottingham Forest picking up three off Liverpool, you know, I think some of the lower half teams picking up points off Chelsea or Man U. And I bet if you look around and see those sorts of results, obviously probably Tottenham too, giving up some points that that probably didn't happen in the past couple seasons. So it's kind of the, the downside. It's too bad that, you know, Liverpool's not doing well, but it does make for a more fun season when these teams that, you know, like City and like our, I mean, again, Arsenal's exciting because it's new, but, you know, I thought last year with City, when they, when they never lose it, it just, it ruins the league, I think, in some ways and the fun of it, like, you know, the last couple seasons. So I have to say, I'm excited about this season. It's definitely one of the most exciting. And I'll segue, not just because Tottenham's in, in top three right now, but I think that, so I've been trying to, you know, we've talked about Tottenham and we obviously talked about San a lot at the beginning of the year and, and his struggles. And, you know, one of the things that I may have mentioned, but I think I've been kind of holding back is that I think, you know, I think Tottenham has an urgency problem. So I went and I put all their games into a spreadsheet. And what I was looking at was seeing, you know, whether they scored first in wins. So they've played 18 games this season between the Premier League and the Champions League. And they have so it's kind of so this is pretty interesting so in a game where they scored first but the other team scored back and it was like a game which was against Fulham which again it was actually 2-0 when Fulham scored so it wasn't even really that close besides that game they have either won on a clean sheet and the other team hasn't responded or they've been scored on first and have made some sort of comeback. So, and in a bunch, in three of the five clean sheets, they've only scored in the second half. And and this is kind of my overall point here. I think they lack urgency. Against Forest and against Brighton, they scored in the first half and then they shut them out 1-0 and 2-0. But against the Wolves, against Marseille, where there was a red card, against Everton against, uh, well, those are the other clean sheets where they didn't score until the second half, so it took a, you know, locker room kick in the ass to get them going. All the other games that they've won, which were Burnamouth, which just happened, they were down by two goals, they had to come back. Southampton, which was the first game of the season, they went down first, they had to fight back. Frankfurt in the Champions League, the last game that they won, they were down, they had to fight back, and there was a red card to their benefit on their opponent. And then Leicester, I don't know, Leicester, they won 6-2, to two. Sun scored his first goals and got a hat trick, but if you remember that game, Leicester scored first, and they had to fight back. And this is kind of my point, is that Tottenham has not come out and dominated games like they've never done that and I feel like some of the talk right now has been about Conte but this has been an issue for years in my opinion like when you look at the Jose teams and even the Pochettino teams they they and I will say like I came in late at the Pochettino era but in my opinion since I've really started tuning in like six years ago Kane, Son, the culture around those features of your attack 
has not been one of coming out, you know, like Liverpool or City and kind of like being the big bad scoring like, you know, we're nervous about them. Like they just aren't that hasn't been their identity. And so I really think so I I struggle because it's like they've done well and I think defensively they they've looked actually shaky in the last couple in the last month, but amidst all what I'm talking about, I think is happening kind of just from a feel. We have rumors that Son would like to leave this season. He'd like to leave. He'd like this to be his last season. That rumor was put out there, and I didn't see a big effort to dispute it. And also, we haven't seen Kane say anything, but we have seen that Bayern Munich it really wants to make a play for Kane. And so as a Tottenham fan, sitting with Kulishevsky and Richarlison, and I think Brian Hill has looked good the last couple of games where he's coming as a sub, not that he's like some great savior or something, but I do think... You know, and this has probably been a theme for the last couple seasons, but how long are Son and Kane going to be here? And also, what is your ceiling with them? Because I look at this team and as I was putting in, you know, my data today and just thinking about them again as a fan and like who they are, like they should be and you would think could be this attacking team with you know, who could come out and be really solid defensively, but like have a really intricate and interesting attack. I mean, for me, when Kane gets the ball at his feet, he is just so like, there's a certain presence he has over the ball and the way he passes and the way, I mean, he doesn't really get to shoot a lot because he's so well covered, but just the way he plays, he's such a dynamic player and he's, he's embraced that in the last couple of years with his passing, but Yet it just doesn't feel like it. things are happening. And so I have to be honest, at least for me, if Son is, is gone this season and it's Kane, Kulishevsky, and Richarlison, I'm, I'm kind of into it. Like, again, and I've said this early on the season, like, Son is a great player. He's, he, I mean, I'm not trying to knock him. But again, like, for years, this offense has lacked creativity and again I just I just don't feel like young min son is is a super dynamic player he's really athletic but I don't see him as really dynamic um so yeah so like as and I you know they they're finishing yeah go ahead please yeah, so, yeah sorry what I was gonna say is the maybe it's time for Tottenham to um get rid of the flagship players like Kane, like um, Song, and maybe it's time to start new with, with new flesh. I mean, we see Arsenal and what they're doing. Arsenal could have hired big names, big players, big egos, but they decided to stick with the young players. So I'm wondering maybe if Tottenham decides to um, really go after trophies, maybe it's time to start with new blood. I don't know. I'm just wondering, like, Kane is a great player, very well loved, uh, much loved in England, but he hasn't brought, he's brought the goals, but he hasn't brought enough to bring trophies. Does that make sense? So I don't know. I just feel like it's time for Tottenham to really get serious about winning trophies. I mean, they haven't won anything. Uh, and so if I was a Tottenham fan, I wouldn't even care much about the big names anymore. I would care about our team having consistency and starting to win trophies. I don't know. Even if it's the FA Cup, Carvajal Cup, I mean, anything. 
Can they win anything? That's a big question we talked about. The, pro- the problem with that is that you've been to the finals. Right. But that's the thing is you've been to the Carabao Cup finals, I think, twice. And maybe the FA Cup was one of them, too, in the last couple of years. And it just, like, I can't go to another Carabao Cup final and lose to Manchester City. Like, I can't do it. I won't do it. I can't have it. And, you know, I'll just say, like, the two weeks before. So they have three. Well, they have four matches before the World Cup. Two in the league are Liverpool and Leeds. You know, for me, I mean, sorry, sorry to say this, Gustav, but Leeds is like that's that should be easy. Like they should definitely win against Leeds. You do have Nottingham Forest the week before that, or the Wednesday before that game, I should say, uh, for the Carabao Cup. So, man, I don't know. I I guess my point is is I think people are putting pressure on Conte. I think people are like making this a Conte thing. This is not a Conte thing. This has been an issue from before him. And, you know, there was an article out on ESPN. I think it was by Mark Ogden. And it was just about, like, Conte's history and how he's a short-term coach and how, like, they aren't sure on his contract. And I just have to say, like, I'm going to be really disappointed if we end up, like, moving on from Conte Losing Son anyway, and then, you know, Kane coming and not being super psyched about what's going to happen. Like, let's get rid of Son. He's obviously not flourishing under Conte. That's fine. Get rid of him. Keep Conte. And you got Kulu, Kane. You know, you're developing Brian Hill. You're developing some other. Maybe you bring in someone interesting from the Italian league like Conte likes to do. And let's like... Let's keep it moving here because I hear you on Kane. Kane is playing great right now. Like he's showing that he can be great with providers like Sessegnon and, and, you know, not really Emerson Royale, but a little bit, you know, Ben Davis is stepping up. Like the team feels good right now. It's like Son who seems to have a little bit of an attitude. So, you know, I just, I just don't want to see Conte go. I just think we have such a good thing with him and I don't see the toxicity that maybe he's had in the past. So I really would be very upset if we lose him because of something that has been happening before he got right. there. I, I, I love your take on Tottenham. And I really, again, I said this like four weeks ago or five weeks ago. I really hope that Tottenham starts to win trophies finally. I would actually love to see them win a trophy. Um, and I think they have. <laughs> Same. <laughs> and I think they Same. have the pedigree yeah. to do so. And, so yeah, two more two more games before the World Cup for Premier League teams. Uh, for Liverpool, we play Tottenham on November six, and uh, after that, you guys play Leeds United, and I think we play uh, West Ham United if I'm not mistaken. But either way, the World Cup it's almost here. I am really really excited. Maybe we will get to do Southampton. 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 Maybe we we'll get to do. Uh, yeah. uh, episode on the World Cup uh, we as we get closer to the World Cup. But, um, yeah, really excited about can what's I, happening can in I football Can I just say right on now. the World Cup? Let me just say on the World Cup, I am yeah. I'm making my decision. I'm putting it on the record. I want England to win because I am a Harry Kane fan, and I really love Harry Kane Love everything about him. I think he's a great, seems to be a great guy. Seems to be like family guy. Like just, I'm just a big fan and I really want him. I think he deserves a World Cup. I want him to win himself a World Cup. That That's where I'm at. My heart is I right I thought now. you were going to say Brazil, but I, I mean. 
I know, but my heart's with yes. Harry Kane. Like that's he's really the like not the only reason, but as I go in and I'm like, okay, what do I want to have happen? Like I really, really want Harry Kane to like win the World Cup. I just think as a Tottenham fan, like that that would make my year. Like that would be so awesome if Harry Kane got to win. And the that World Cup. that's doable. I mean, I, I think at this point anyone could win it when it comes to the big teams. Uh, again, I want Messi to win it, but if if he doesn't win it, anyone from the American continent, and then if not, I would go for Spain or England. But we'll see what happens. It's uh, I hope I still have some PTO, <laughs> so I can take some PTO for uh the big games, uh from work, and that I don't miss those big ga- I know. big games. Oh, the <laughs> schedule is brutal. Yeah. So yeah, um, anything else you want to add, Jake, before we close out? Well, you know, I'll just say, like, I think one thing that I definitely think in terms of the World Cup is, you know, there is definitely, I think we have to talk about that there has been some really unfortunate circumstances surrounding the World Cup with, you know, people being overworked and, like, worked to death and a lot of, like, unsafe work conditions and I'm sure things that go beyond even what I know about. And I have to say that, like, I think one of our greatest challenges talk about another podcast that we want to do more about like issues and stuff. But I think as consumers and as, you know, world citizens, something that we really need to think about is how we can have the things that we love, you know, on these big stages like we do, but how we can also protect people at the same time. Cause I think, you know, with these sexual abuse cases that are going on in the U S WL or whatever it is. And, you know, these different, I just, I think that there's so, there's so many issues with some of these big leagues and the things that go on, you know, in, in any sport. And I just think that, you know, one of our greatest challenges as, you know, people moving forward and hopefully the world, I think, you know, I mean, again, I'm at, so I, sorry, I'm a sci-fi guy, but you read books about like the distant future where it's like the humans are just like one, right? And then you like meet aliens, it's like the humans are all, so I like, you would hope that in some ways we're like, you know, you don't want to like have people lose their culture. Like, it, that you know, this is 500 years in the future, but I think this is something that like, like how can we have these things? How can we have this mass consumption of a product, of a sport, of a whatever it is, but also protect, you know, people, the people that, you know, end up, losing their lives to have the world cup go on. Like that's awful. That sucks. That's just terrible. So it's just something that, you know, we need to be thinking about. Yeah. I want to thank you for mentioning that. I think it's important for us to have this conversation. And also a lot of people want to either cut the whole thing once, you know, just get rid of the whole thing. But then we have to realize that these events are going to continue to happen because they bring a lot of money because they have been happening for a long time. So for me, it's more about how do we have these conversations? How do we bring change? How do we make things more sustainable for people? How do we make things more reliable for, for the workers and for everyone who's involved? So because as a lover of football as well, I don't want the World Cup to be you know gone or to not happen every four years. But at the same time, the priorities, what's most important for these countries where we're, we're celebrating the World Cup. And so I'm very curious to see the U.S.-Mexico-Canada World Cup uh, in 2026. And I hope we can lead by example, right? I hope that, especially in the U.S., that we can uh, show the world how we actually can have this uh, event and people 
also be okay. And so I just want to thank you for mentioning that. I think that's really important. Let us bring this conversation into the, the, the circles that it needs it the most, especially the people who get to make these decisions. And us fans, you know, we have a lot more power than we think when it comes to FIFA. Exactly. I mean, so I think if people start speaking out more, and I know that, like, I think it's Iran, they're considering stepping out and, and not going to the World Cup. There's a lot of people that are already talking about You know, what can I do to bring these things to to light? And so also, Jake, really quick, I don't know if you're aware, but there was, I, I saw it on TikTok. There, there's an app supposedly that you, if you go to Qatar, you download two apps. And one app is to have the schedules and the tickets, etc. And the second app, is, it gives you the map of the city and different things. But apparently to have those apps Uh, in your phone, you have to accept everything, obviously. And apparently that gives people in Qatar access to your location and to your phone. And they can get any uh, information from your phone at any time. I'm not sure how truth or, or how real this is, but I saw it from a really reliable source, uh, said everyone ever. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I, I, th I think uh, it's really scary, like, because... Uh, I don't know, Qatar Qatar is just it's it's a very complex to me it's a really complex conversation. Because if I think about it too much, I'm not gonna want to watch the World Cup, well, to be honest with you. Yeah, but I think I think one of the things that and this is now becoming our other podcast, so you know, I was actually envisioning <laughs> that maybe like we would do that where we just have like a podcast where we talk about something super deep and we're like, all right, let's finish it off with some soccer. So we're just doing it the right. opposite way. That's totally fine. But right. I'm actually reading a book right now and it's, it's a science fiction book. It's, it's maybe said like, it doesn't really say, but it's like a not so distant future where basically things have been automatized and long story short, like when things were going wrong in, in countries, they were like, all right, we're putting, we, we either got to, shoot the people or we got to put chips in them. So it's like folks have chips and trackers and like data. And that's the thing is it's, it's, uh, it's by Jish Jen J or sorry, G I S H J E N. It's called the resistors. It's a great book. It's a, it's just a, so far I'm having a really great time with it. I'm like 50 pages in, but you know, I think data is one of the big things that is, is a, is a valuable commodity and is now being traded and sold and tracked and given. And I think like this is something maybe that we don't realize is that, you know, when you're able, you know, it's funny. It's like some of these I'm I'm addicted to stupid games on my phone, Gustav. I'm just going to tell you right now, I got a bad addiction, like freaking, you know, cigarettes. Like I got to download a stupid game and play it. And some of them are like, allow it. You know, we have this feature now on iPhones where it's like, you know, ask app not to track but these these apps now try to counteract that and they're like listen the way we make money in this game even exists is from the ads that we give you so please allow us to track so that it can we can use your data to cater ads and blah 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 but like the thing is is that i don't know exactly how it works i don't i don't know if i ever will But my understanding on some level is that that data is being taken, put somewhere, and eventually they can use that as a commodity to trade. And so when I hear Qatar doing that, I mean, that sounds like a great way to mine a bunch of people's data and probably a lot of important people's data. So I'm not shocked. And, you know, I'd be just as nervous as you. I mean, I have to be honest. This is like the type of thing where it becomes, you know, 
we're so fortunate that we have television like we do because to be honest, who even wants to go to events like this? Like I, I, I have to be honest, like I think if you want to go to Qatar to go watch the World Cup, I think you're out of your fucking mind. To be honest, like, why would you want to do that? I'm sorry. Like, you know, if you're if you're wealthy enough and you're able to do that, like, I totally understand it. And, you know, no, like, I get it. And I and I and that's kind of an American perspective on it. I'm sure from a world perspective, there's just a whole different culture behind going to the World Cup and stuff that I don't even want to comment on. But again, like, I just I don't like the world is scary. Like, if we can watch things from our couches more than we ever could. I have to be honest, dude, like I'm going to be like those people in Wally who are all like, you know, 800 pounds on the little saucers because I'm afraid of the world like shit. I don't want to go out to these places. So I have to no, I, I have to be honest, like I so, I, you know, I don't know, I, I, I especially with that data thing that you mentioned. I mean, that that's it. It's just unfortunate when it's like we are our addiction to screens and our addiction to the things that we love leads us to accept these aspects of giving away parts of ourselves, parts of our sanity, parts of our data, parts of our this or that for these things that honestly, like it'd be great if we could somehow set it up where we don't have to do this. But like, this is, this is the, the business, like, you know, the dispassionate business side of things that, you know, it's like, when is that going to get old? Is that ever going to get old for everyone? It's old for me. Right. I think I think social media has brought to light so many things and to hear you talk about these things it really excites me because I I really believe that not even our generation but the next generation of people uh gen, gen Zs or whatever uh can actually bring change because right now we live in a world where the internet is just like freaking the wild west you know what i mean the wild wild west or whatever where everyone gets to make their own rules there's no legislation that controls what people can do i mean i'm sure you guys have been paying attention to uh elon musk buying twitter trump coming back to twitter everything that kanye was is saying i mean a lot of things that are happening due to the internet and access to masses uh and people that are influential that should not be influential or have influence in a negative way to uh, in in really weird dark corners of the internet and so I agree with you uh, who wants to and in fact who wants to go to Qatar anyways I, Qatar doesn't seem doesn't sound sexy to me at all uh, and I'm not trying to be mean <laughs> yeah I'm just sorry you're not out of your mind Why if you're it? going that was too strong right I'm sorry, I'm sorry. but also but still no 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 don't yeah. don't don't apologize because I want to <laughs> say this actually I read an article that the most the biggest countries that um where fans come from uh, in the World Cups uh, are the U.S., <laughs> Mexico, and Argentina. So oh. like, Amer- Americans are, we're some of the people that, that are spending mo- the money more than anyone else. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I mentioned that is because then maybe that, that could mean that we could be bring change into the situations because we, if we are the ones traveling to the World Cups, if we're the ones investing in the tickets and buying all these things, maybe we could start a conversation. And I genuinely believe that the conversation could start here because obviously the world looks at the U.S. Uh, as one of the powerhouses. And I think, yes, that that brings its neg- its negative um, influence. But I think I look at it positively and I say. What can we do to start these conversations uh, and to make people aware of what's, what's going on in the world? And, you know, football has always been bigger than than just a sport. Uh, it also shines a light into many different uh, political and cultural uh, challenges and, and things that we go through in our everyday life. And so 
This is beautiful. I really, I think that our podcast is becoming a more philosophy in, in football, right? I, I, I got I no see. problem with that. Oh but yeah, I like that. I love it. Love it. So yeah, I mean, I definitely think, you know, we'll we'll definitely put up a pod before, you know, the World Cup and we'll, we'll be a little bit better than we've been. But we'll, you know, I think it will be an interesting couple of weeks for especially Liverpool. I still think Liverpool is the biggest story in the Premier League just because not only is it so shocking, but this could really affect their long-term trajectory and, you know, good for Arsenal and where they are, are at. But it, it's been Liverpool and City's league for a couple of years. And I think the fact that, you know, this could mark a major shift, you know, this is this is something to pay attention to. So, you know, I'll, I'll be watching. I can't say I'm rooting for Liverpool because I, I think it's just fascinating to watch them struggle like this. And I, I'm curious what, you know, what could happen, but I will say it's going to be a big two weeks for them. And then obviously after the world cup, how they bounce back. But yeah, I agree. And for Arsenal to the last time they won the, the league has, I think it was 18 years ago in 2006. I think it was the invincibles if I'm not wrong. And so for Arsenal to have the possibility of winning it, I'm sure people in, in North London are really excited about that. Uh, or is it West London? I, I forget. No, it's North London. It's and North for London. me, th- you oh. know how they say thoughts become things? Well, <laughs> I can't even think about that because I refuse to right. have my thoughts help it become a thing. But don't, yeah, no, I worry. guess that would be that would be something. But no, don't I'm, worry. I think I can't even entertain it. it. No, I think City's gonna win it. I think there's no way Arsenal might be second, but I really think uh Manchester City still reigns in the Premier League. Um, and it's just a matter of time. It might be like two points or by one point, but I, I really genuinely believe that Manchester City is going to win this league. Um, and one last thing I want to mention, because we didn't really get to talk about City, but the goal that Kevin De Bruyne scored on oh, the yeah, free kick was yet. beautiful. Yeah. You go check it out. It was so beautiful. And mm. uh, in these close games, I feel like are the ones that make the difference, like you were saying, right. Jake, when you get right. to win 1-0, you know, and so I, I really think Manchester City is going to win it. Haaland, I think he was injured, but he it shouldn't be. I think he had a fever or something like that, so it shouldn't be something bad. Um, and maybe he needed a break from scoring too many goals. <laughs> um, well, but, I'll just say big game for Tottenham on Tuesday at 4 p.m. against Marseille. If they get a point from what I read, they should be able to advance. But They should. Um, they should. They should, but that was one of the games that uh, they didn't really get going into the 80th minute, and the team had been on a red card since the 46th minute. So, you know, I think it's something that we have to consider. But anyway, dude, it's been great. All you out there, love you so much. Thanks so much for tuning in. And thanks so much for listening, and thanks so much, Jake, for uh, this wonderful conversation. I hope to uh, see you next time then. Yeah, can't wait. See you guys.